Hey, good morning. Welcome. My name is Dwight Bernier. I am a pastor at Church 21. So excited that you're with us this morning as we are in week number six. Six. We're three quarters of the way through our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. Hopefully you've been benefiting immensely from this, that it's been a, a blessing for you, and that you're seeing the Lord really change you in significant ways during this time. So what I want to do is I want to pray. We're going to be talking about uh, a four-letter word this morning that not a lot of people like to talk about, and that's rest. And so let me pray, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you that you are at work right now. You are in our midst, whether we are in Montreal, whether we are somewhere else in Quebec, in Canada, in the States, somewhere around the world, watching in right now, you are in our midst. You are not far from us. You are not distant. You are close and you love us. You like us. You enjoy us. You're not embarrassed by us. You want to be with us. And so would you, would you get at work this morning in our hearts to change us, to help us see how we can really rest? And we love you and we need you for everything. Amen. Little Christ's little Christs. That's what it means to be a Christian. In, in the early Christianity, it was called the way. People who were following the way, those who were following Jesus were, were people following the way. And so when they looked at these people who were from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic realities, when all these people were coming together, different languages, different skin colors, different races, different backgrounds, different heritages. What they all had together in common was Jesus. And so as people looked on at this, they said, these are little Christs. These are people who are little Jesuses that are running around. They didn't have a better name for them. And the reality of being a Christian is not that we belong to a religion, but we belong to a person and we're being transformed to be just like that person. And so as Christians, as little Christ, as we're living our lives out in, in this world, our normal, ordinary lives, we're supposed to be different because we've been rescued from the way of thinking that we used to think, the way that our, our hearts were inclined to, to act and, and find motivations. Those have been hijacked and are being transformed by Jesus. And so as we're living, we're supposed to be showing, demonstrating, being like signposts to a different world that is already here, but not yet fully here. Already here, but not yet fully here. And there are many facets to this. It could be the way that we work, the way that we raise kids, the way that we serve one another, the way that we love enemies, the way that we forgive. It could be a whole host of things. But this morning, I want to talk about rest. Rest. And we, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm speaking to you, we are supposed to demonstrate and show something that we're experiencing. We shouldn't be merely talking about rest as if it's a foreign thing that maybe one day we'll get around to understanding and, and working it out. Rather, we should be proposing rest to, to the world, the, the world, the people around us, the people that we work with, the people that are our family, the people that are our neighbors, they're longing for rest. We all want rest. We just don't know where it's going to come from. And so we as followers of Jesus who have experienced rest, at least at one point, when we receive Jesus' rest for us, we should be proposing this to the world. Now, here's the reality. Many Christians struggle with rest. It's like an unattainable dream. Many of us believe that, ah, because I'm a Christian, I need to work harder than everyone else. I need to put in more hours, more time, because Jesus really wants to reach all tribes, all tongues, all peoples. So I need to be at work. I need to be showing that I'm a harder worker than anyone else. I need to put aside even my family to show the people at my workplace just how important they are. You see, we sacrifice things that God is not asking us to sacrifice in order to do things that God has not called us to do. Do you get that? We sacrifice things that God has not called us to sacrifice to do things that God has not called us to do. But what's really clear in scripture is that we are supposed to be a people of rest. And rest is available right now. I don't care who you are, what your job is, what your vocation is, what your schedule looks like. Rest is available to you. Here's the stats. Here's the stats. I don't love statistics, but they speak to a, a reality. So let me 
just share a few things with you. Uh, 23% of those who, who were interviewed in this research study, full-time workers, said that they felt symptoms of burnout more often than not. So 51% of the time and higher, they're feeling symptoms of burnout. It's half your day, half your week, half your year, half your working career. Uh, another 44% felt the symptoms of burnout often, so between 25% and 50%. So here's what this says. Full-time workers, two-thirds of our full-time workers, and we're not even talking about in the midst of the pandemic. This is before pandemic, okay? Two-thirds of our full-time workers are experiencing symptoms of burnout on a regular basis. The World Health Organization calls this an occupational phenomenon, Crazy, crazy. Listen to how the World Health Organization describes or defines what burnout is. Burnout is a result of chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. I'll read that again. Result of chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And and what this tells us is that there's no rest. Is that there's no rest. That, That people are bringing these things in. They're bringing these things into their vocation. So it, yes, it's their vocation, but it's also the life and the, the things that are going on around them that are causing for this burnout to take place. We don't live lives of rest. And it's not just a workplace thing either. We could look at any area of life. Parenting, right? We're gonna talk about Sabbath today. I remember when someone told me, oh, you need to really be Sabbathing. And I'm like, man, at that point, I had three little kids. We have four little kids. I'm like, how am I gonna get 24 hours of rest unless I kick them out of the house once a week so that I can get what I need. Well, they need Sabbath too, right? So Sabbath will look a little bit different for everyone. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's not just a workplace thing. Burnout can happen in any area and it's happening especially in, in, in religion, People are experiencing religious burnout. And this is not a new thing. It's been around for a very, very long time. And they're experiencing religious burnout for for good reasons. It's not for good reasons. It's for bad reasons. But there are good reasons why people are experiencing this burnout. And I think it has to do with what I said before, that we're taking things onto ourselves that God has not actually asked us to take onto ourselves. And, And yet, Some of us are burning out because we're not taking on to ourselves some of the things that God has called us to put on, right? So let me tell you about the religious leaders in Jesus's day, the Pharisees. These these people were very good at adding things on to their lives and the lives of people. You see, they they believed the Bible. They loved the Bible. The Hebrew scriptures that, that they had, right? We would know that as the Old Testament. They loved it. And they would read a command. You're not supposed to work on, a, on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, okay? So there's the command. We'll look at that in a bit. And what they would do is they say, okay, well, that, that's good. We want to keep that. We want to obey God. But to make sure we obey God, let's build fences even around that so we don't come close. And in the midst of building fences around it, you forget what the actual thing, the heart of that is. And you start caring so much about the fence, And so these religious leaders of Pharisees were making a big deal about the fences all the time that they had created, but the fences weren't from God. The fences were man-made. And so the religious leaders were supposed to help people obey God, love God, and serve him and serve his purposes. But the problem was they spent all their time creating new laws and new rules and it was always one more rule to follow imagine that you wake up the next day and you're like oh great i finally understand things and then you go to your your religious teacher and he says ah last night we made three more so if you can keep all these plus the three that 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 we just instituted then you're going to be good and you're like ah three more you're like okay fine you finally get those down then you come back and you're about to tell him the good news and then Oh, we added five more because we saw that there were some, some ways people were getting around the fence or under the fence. It's so frustrating, right? We have to keep doing, 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 doing because if you're really gonna love God and God is really gonna love you, you have to just do more. And if you do enough, then maybe God's gonna love you in the end. That's a message that's coming out. And at some point, you just get burned out and you say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And these leaders and the people the leaders were leading, they were missing out on the one that that this was all actually about. 
They were missing out on God and they were missing out on the true rest. They were so focused on making sure that they didn't break any of the rules about rest that they weren't resting. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But this can be true in our time as well, can it? Is God your aim? Are you, are you focused on him? Is your, is your gaze fixed on him? Or do you find yourself creating fences, activities around God, little, little self-made rules that you put on yourself that, that you feel, well, I'm doing pretty good at this, but then you begin to judge the world around you and the people around you and even the people within our church on your fence rules that God never instituted that God never put on anyone. Instead, you are putting them on other people. That'll burn us out. God never promises that he's going to support us in our efforts to create our little fences. I'm not saying all fences are bad. Some fences are good. It's important to stay away from dangerous things. Like a, a, good, a good fence is an internet blocker right, that you can't get onto certain websites. It's not that you're overly tempted to all the time. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but it stops you from even being able to, right? So that's a good fence. But if you judge the world and those who don't have internet blockers are horrible people and they can't be a follower of God and until they get it, they can't be made right with God, then, then your, your soul is gonna start to shrivel because God is not gonna support your effort in that, because he didn't institute that. There's always more to be done when you live life like this. But here's the big idea of today. God wants for you to experience rest. Emotionally healthy spirituality is one that is defined by rest. So let's talk about rest. Rest was sewn into the fabric of creation. We believe in a God who has had no beginning and will have no end. He's always existed. Let your mind just linger in that reality for a little while. Let your mind be troubled by that. Yeah, but there had to be a beginning. Yeah, but what about that first spark? Yeah, but what about, like let your mind linger in the no beginning, no end. And, and the, the feelings that you're feeling in there of, whoa, I don't know if this could be true. That's, that should lead you to worship. Oh my God, you had no beginning and no end. I am astounded with that. But then this God who had no beginning and no end, he creates. He makes matter. And matter matters to God. And it should matter to us. And at the end of of God's creation account, look what happens in Genesis chapter two. This is the first book of the Bible, Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God rests. And in the fabric of creation, he sows rest in. And then if we were to fast forward a few thousand years after his people began living because God had already made man and woman at that time. He made them to to rest. Uh, There's a story of God's people being enslaved in the land of Egypt and God through a a mighty powerful account uh, brings them out of slavery and, and causes them to be a free people, a free people to worship him and to live for him. And, and to live out the freedom that they've received. The book of Exodus talks about this. And then the people are free. Okay, and this is really important. Some of us think about the Ten Commandments as if I can obey the Ten Commandments, then I'll be free. But God has frees his people and then he gives them the commandments. And the commandments are based on um, how to now live as free people. You're free, here's how to remain free. Here's how not to go back into slavery, not like you're returning to Egypt physically, but how not to return to slavery spiritually. Spiritually. They were freed from slavery physically and God was showing them how to live without spiritual slavery as well. So here's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is with you, within your gates. <clears throat> For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Rest is put into creation and then it's re-given to a freed people. And here's the big idea, is that God has made us to stop. And not just a few of us, but he says, hey, everyone in your household needs to stop. You need to rest. You need to chill. You need to stop from doing something and stop to do something. And here's, here's what it is. We need to stop from working, stop from producing, stop from production, stop from your task list, and stop to enjoy specifically him. And as we enjoy God, it doesn't mean that we're just sitting in a corner with, with the Bible saying, God, I'm enjoying you, I'm enjoying you, I'm enjoying you. It's that we enjoy his gifts as well, that we enjoy our family, we enjoy good food, we enjoy uh, reading, we enjoy naps, we enjoy sleeping in maybe, we enjoy exercise, we enjoy what it means to actually rest. We stop from producing and we enjoy the things that God has provided us with our chief end the 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 purpose in our life is that we would glorify god we would make much of him by enjoying him forever so we make much of god by enjoying him and by enjoying the things that he has given to us you see god delights in us enjoying him and using his creation as he intends it's beautiful beautiful he is honored when we use the things that he has given to us for that purpose imagine that you inherit a, a castle right and you, you use that castle to to live in and the person that that had given that to you that that's honoring to them because they wanted this to keep going on or maybe you change it into a school and that's that's honorable to the person they gave it to you but what if you turned it into um a place where prostitution ran wild? What if you turned it into a place where people could be trafficked? What if you turned it into a place where criminals were hidden? That would not be honorable to the one who gave that to you. And this is what the Lord is is saying, that I want for you to take a day. I want for you to take my gifts. I want for you to use them for the reasons and the purposes that I've given to you. I want for you to for those of you who are productive, you can create a Sabbath to-do list if you'd like. On the Sabbath, the, the, this 24-hour period that God has given to us to rest, your to-do list is worship him through enjoyment. Worship him through enjoyment. Now, those of you who are driven, you're going you're gonna to be sitting on that day and you're going to say, oh, this is really hard. Am I really enjoying him? Am I doing it right? Am I following all the right rules? Am, am I performing the way that I'm supposed to be performing so many of us want a new law we we like the way of the pharisees because it's like god says rest and then the pharisees give us all these fences around it of what to do or what not to do and we're like ah yes thankfully something else to check off my list but god says throw out the checklist and rest and enjoy me and listen to me and be in scripture and be talking to me and bring your family or your friends or people alongside of of me on this day You see, those religious leaders that we spoke about earlier, they come back in at this point. And our hearts all have a little bit of this religious leader in them. That we all want to hijack the Sabbath for our purposes, not for the purpose that the Lord has actually put in place. So what I want to do is I want to read us a a few texts. One about eating and, um, and then one about healing. This is during Jesus' ministry. It's found in Matthew 12. It was read for us earlier. And I just want to show you the way that we've taken God's good purposes and we've hijacked them for ourselves. And, and we have the same heart at times that, that these religious leaders had as well. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now the law is no work 
And there, there are things around that that we won't get into this morning. But this, the big idea is that you're not supposed to harvest. Like, don't take out the tractor. Don't take out the ox. Don't take out the family. Hey, Sabbath exercise today is we're going to enjoy God by plowing the fields. It's like, no, that's for the other six days. But they're crossing a field. And as they're crossing a field, the disciples are hungry. And they grab a snack. They go to the cupboard of the day, the fields. And they just start snacking. They weren't breaking any law at all. Not one law. They were breaking a man-made law. They were breaking one of those fences that had been put up. And so what Jesus does is he, he reorients the hearts of these leaders and the disciples around what the Sabbath is actually all about. And here it is, Matthew twelve eight: The Son of Man, Jesus, is the Lord of the Sabbath. That the Lord doesn't need Pharisees dictating what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and honoring him. Can you imagine Jesus walking up to his disciples? Put down the grain, you bad boys. You bad disciples, put down the grain. You are not supposed to find enjoyment on the Sabbath day. You are supposed to fast and allow for those hunger pains to shoot through your body. You're supposed to suffer on the Sabbath. Right? I mean, this is, this is what the, the Pharisees are saying. Right? No snacks. If you're going to get them that way, that's illegal. It's illegal. But Jesus is saying, you guys missed it. The Sabbath is all about me. It's all about Jesus. And the Sabbath is a gift. During this series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, you're finding out that so many things are just gifts from the Lord. In Mark 2.27, of the same account, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is put there to serve us. The Lord knows that we are not infinite creatures, but finite, that we don't have infinite resources of energy to be using. And so the Lord made a Sabbath for us to sit in. The Sabbath was made for man, not the Sabbath being made and then man being made to serve the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is supposed to be this time of deep rest where our hearts are reoriented around God, where our muscles, our our mental muscles, our heart muscles, our spiritual muscles, our emotional muscles, they get a break. They get to, oh, Lord, you're so good. You get to nap and not feel guilty about it. You see, Sabbath provides an opportunity for healing. And on one Sabbath, in this account that we're looking at, it provided an opportunity for real healing. Now, the Pharisees saw healing as work. So think about that. If healing is work, it means that healing is coming from man or woman. That it's something that we're deriving. But if healing is not work, then it's something that God gives to us as a gift to be able to distribute. So let's look at this account of Matthew twelve nine through 13. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand and they asked him, you know, the religious leaders, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Why did they ask him that? So that they could accuse him. They're just looking for a purpose to put Jesus up in religious court. But Jesus said to them, well, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? right? Baba falls into a ditch. You're just going to say, Baba, it's a Sabbath. I'll come back tomorrow and get you. No way. Of of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's a principle that we're to be doing good on the Sabbath. So then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out and it was restored healthy like the other. Healthy like the other. This is the work of God. On Sabbath, I'm not saying if you have a withered hand, it's going to be healed. But on the Sabbath, the Lord wants to heal. He wants to heal us of of the things that we've been going through. He wants to restore us to him. This is the work of God. And so much healing can take place on the Sabbath in this deep rest. And yet so many of us are not experiencing this healing because we're not resting. We're still trying to push forward. 
I remember when I was going to train for, for a marathon and I made it up to a significant distance and my ankle started to hurt significantly. And I had two choices. One, I could just say, ah, there's no pain there. I'm just going to push through this pain. Or I could recognize the pain. What did I do? I chose the first. There's no pain here. Ran on it and it got even more injured. What I should have done was say, ah, my body is telling me that I need rest. It needs rest. It needs to be healed. So I need to enter into Sabbath. And every single week you have the Sabbath waiting for you. And the Sabbath, don't think of it as a day necessarily. Think of it as the father with his arms open saying, I've been waiting to spend a whole day with you. I've been waiting to lavish you with rest. I've been waiting to speak certain things. You have been waiting to heal. I've been waiting to massage the emotional muscles that are going on inside of you. I've been waiting to make this deposit into you because I knew you didn't have time as you were doing these things this week, but now it's you and I, and I'm ready to make this significant deposit into your life. I'm ready to bring healing and restoration. Look at what uh, Jürgen Moltmann says. When Jesus expels demons and heals the sick, he is driving out of creation the powers of destruction and is healing and restoring created beings who are hurt and sick. The lordship of God to which the healing witness restores creation to health. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They're the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. When healing happens... When healing happens, it's, it's Jesus removing the unnatural things that have somehow entered in. And they've entered in through, through our rebellion. They've entered in through our motives getting sewn into the fabric of creation. God sowed good things. We put our things and, and Jesus is undoing our threads. He's taking our threads out as he is healing us. You see, regular and ongoing healing is offered to you. In fact, he wants it for you. Dane, Dane Ortland says this, Jesus Christ is comforted when you draw from the riches of his atoning work because his own body is getting healed. The body of, of Christ is the church. And as we are getting healed, in, in a way, Jesus' body is being healed. That's significant, isn't it? We, we probably don't think that way. This was a new thought for me a few weeks ago. That Jesus' body is being healed. He wants this for you. You see, on the Sabbath, Jesus walks around like a server at a wedding feast. You think about us on the Sabbath day needing to, to serve him so much, but it's the opposite. He's walking around serving us. He's bringing us hors d'oeuvres. He's bringing us the next like Brazilian steakhouse wedding, right? Where he's bringing meat. He's making sure that we are taken care of. Our role is to enjoy him, right? That puts us in, in a completely different perspective. It's not like Jesus sitting, waiting for us to show him how awesome we can do a Sabbath day. It's him showing us how awesome he is as we relax, as we rest, as we check out from things that we've been checked into all week and we check in to him completely. God still works on the Sabbath and that's good news for us. He wants to serve you so that you get him. Now, part of you is gonna revolt. On the Sabbath day, part of you is going to revolt. I can't just rest I have stuff to do. I have stuff to do. This, this rest thing is silly. But why can't you rest? Why can't you rest? What is it that you're trying to accomplish on a day where, where the Lord just wants you to accomplish relationship with him? Why are you so driven? What, what issues are going on inside of you that you can't sit in silence? that you can't sit with not being productive. What's going on? Listen to that. Because our hearts could get to the place where the religious leaders were. After Jesus hijacked their idea of the Sabbath, instead of saying, oh, that is so good. I can rest. Healing is available. Snacks in the field are available. Oh, this is good. Look at what happens. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him, literally how to kill him. When Jesus wrecks your little world, 
your idea of who you thought he was. Are you ready to receive that or do you want to put him to death? Do you want to receive this good news or do you want to remove that part of Jesus? You see, we like a lot of Jesus, but there are parts about Jesus ah, we're not so comfortable with. And yet Jesus won't just give us the 90%, right? This is 100 proof vintage Jesus coming at us that he won't allow us just to have the parts that we like. We get all of him and he's going to transform us to be just like him. So he gives us his spirit to put to death these weird inner laws, these fences that we build that keep us and others from God. Do you realize that? In, in a good motivation to try and protect our relationship with the Lord, we can create fences that actually keep us out. The fences that we're building are keeping us out from getting to him. And so we create a new God outside of our fence. And it's not no longer in the image of God anymore. It's something completely different. And we're calling and beckoning people to come and worship this new God. We just call him Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is inside that fence that you built. You know what Sabbath is? Sabbath is a weekly snow day. Do you remember, if you're from Canada or from the north, do you remember snow days? Like waking up in the morning as kids? I remember, right? I would oh, I'd be praying. I... I I didn't know if I believed completely when I was little or not, but I would pray, Lord, please let there be a snow day. And I would wake up, and when there was snow on the ground and on the TV it said, school canceled, yes! It was a day of play. I'm sure my parents were like, no! But for me, I'm like, all day play, sleep in, Legos, sledding, friends. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. This is what we get every week. A literal weekly snow day where we get to play with the Lord. In fact, we're commanded to play. This is a command. Some of you might be thinking like, oh, the command, I don't want to be commanded. Like, this is all grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a command to enjoy grace. It's a command to celebrate Christmas. It's a command to feast. It's a command at ice cream Sundays unlimited. Like this type of command. Those are good things. When you look at your kids, you're like, you better finish all your ice cream. Kids not like, don't boss me around. They just laugh. They smile. This is what God is doing. You better, you better enjoy me for 24 hours. You better take a break from everything. You better put everything else aside so that you can chill and relax and enjoy me. You see, the Lord is in the sandbox waiting. The Lord is in the water telling you how warm it is. Come on, come on in. The Lord is ready to heal. He's ready to feed. He's, he's at the cupboard saying, you wouldn't believe the snacks that I bought for this week. Come, let's sit and eat together. Let's enjoy one another. You see, the Lord wants to entertain you with his mercy. He wants to entertain you with his mercy. See, Jesus went to the cross to die for you because we were living restless lives trying to save ourselves oh god could we ever do enough for you god would say no but jesus died on the cross as a substitute a payment for us in our rebellion and our sin and our restless hearts that constantly want to be god if god gave us the option we would take being god of the universe from him but instead he takes our 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 hearts that fail at being god and he says i want to make you new I want to forgive you. I want to forgive your motives. I want to forgive your actions, past, present, future. And I want to make you part of my family. And he does that by sending Jesus to the cross. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he was, he was glad to die for you. Jesus went on his own accord. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. He willingly went to the cross for you so that you and I could have rest, that we could be known by God. And then Jesus gets up out of the grave three days later, leaving death to die. One day death will die. And Jesus now, risen from the dead, offers you and I spiritual, eternal rest. He rose to host you forever in his presence. This is good news. All right, so practically, how do we have a restful Sabbath. How do we have a restful weekly Sabbath? 
Now, some of you is going to be Saturday. Some of you could be Sunday. Some of you could be Wednesday. Uh, for our house, it's 5 p.m. Friday to 5 p.m. Saturday. Very specific times, okay? But how do you have a restful Sabbath? Well, first you have to plan for it. Not like 5 p.m. you start planning. We plan earlier. We start around 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And we even plan things earlier than that. But you have to plan for it. What are you going to do? Prep meals so that you don't have to cook on that day. Prep activities. Take money out of the bank if you want to go and do stuff. I, I know we use cards, whatever. But just the idea that, that we're planning ahead. What are we going to do? What are we going to read? What are we going to, are we going to sleep in? Are we going to take naps? Are we going to watch a movie? Are we going to be with people? Make the plans ahead of time. Then stop. When your Sabbath time starts, stop, hard stop. Everything stops. Consider shutting off your phones and and electronic devices for that 24 hours as well. And then rest. Start your rest off with him. Engage with him. Start with prayer and the word. Hear from him. And then breathe a lot like that. Allow for the worries and concerns that bothered you before to be his. Breathe them out in prayer. And then delight in him. Delight in him. Delight in who he is. Delight in the fact that he's serving you. Delight in the fact that he's offering you to play in the sandbox with him. That he is not above waiting outside the things you want to do. Yes, I'll monitor you and your Sabbath stuff. He wants to be at work with you in this contemplate be thinking lingering over who he is and some of the things that that have captured your heart over the past week and find out which one's more valuable him or this thing and then bring these things to him contemplate how he might take care of these things and then take the sabbath with you when it ends for us at 5 p.m on saturday it doesn't end We now take it with us. It'd be great to live all of life as a Sabbath, wouldn't it? But actually, that's the intention. That God invites us into his rest, not just for 24 hours, but that we would have restful hearts in everything. In the most chaotic circumstances in life, our hearts can be restful. They They can chill. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 11, just before the text that we've been looking at. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we have restful hearts and everything, it doesn't mean that we're aloof. It doesn't mean that we're lazy. Not not at all. What it means is that we're aware that he is present all the time. Do you get that? The Lord wants for you to live in the reality that he is present with you all the time and offering you rest right now. Right now, this isn't my Sabbath moment. But right now, this is a Sabbath moment. It's not my 24 hours, but this is a Sabbath moment because he is with us right now. As I'm saying these words, he is with me right now and I can enjoy him. I can enjoy him right now. I'm not in front of a a camera alone. I'm with him. I'm with him. So how do we cultivate that? I loved high school, secondary school. I know so many people, it's traumatic for them. It's horrible. I loved it. I loved it. Not because of the school, but because the school offered me the opportunity to be with my friends all the time. So before school, we would hang out. After school, we would hang out. We'd play sports together, then hang out after that. But Here's how we kept our relationship going throughout the day. When the bells would go off, we had five to seven minutes to make it to the next class. My friends and I, we made plans on how to meet up between classes all day long. We never got our books. Either we brought them with us or we used it as an excuse to, oh, I forgot it in my locker and had to go back so that we could meet our friends later on as well. But those bells were five to seven minutes with our friends, with my friends. We were cultivating relationship all day long. We weren't waiting for our one big spot in the morning or the evening. It was going all day long. And we always planned for the next bell. As class was ending, it's like, oh yes, I'm gonna get to go and see them in just a few minutes. It was so exciting. 
And yet this is exactly what the Lord wants to do with us. So we can have that 24-hour Sabbath, which is beautiful, but then we take it with us. And we take it with us by practicing what has been called the, the daily office. That, that word office comes from the, the Latin word opus, which means work. Work. So it's the daily work of God. All throughout the day, we're recognizing the work of God. So we do that 24-hour Sabbath, and then every day between Sabbaths, we're engaging with him. Not just a large chunk in the morning for our devotions or evening, but all day long. And I, I just have to say, this is new to me. This is new to me. I've been practicing it for a little while, but it's been phenomenal. It's been absolutely phenomenal. I set alarms on my phone six times a day. They're going off. I have a a fun ringtone that I know what it means. And I'm like, this is the work of God. And I begin to practice this daily office. Listen to what Pete Scazzaro said. He's the one that wrote the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that we're using so much of. He says, stopping for daily office to be with God is the key to creating a continual and easy familiarity with God's presence. The continual, the continual and easy familiarity with God's presence is so important because some of us like the morning thing, right? I I like the morning thing or the evening thing where we're alone and we're meeting with the Lord, we're praying, we're, we're in his word, that's great. But how do you take the quiet time with you? Because I would just say, when I was only doing in the morning, come like 10 a.m., the things that I was reading about and praying about weren't moving in me in the same way that they were at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. It, it, there, was, there was a breakdown that I was getting this big influx, but then it wasn't carrying through. And what the daily office has done for me is I, I still do that big influx at the beginning, but now it's getting invested all throughout the day through these small three to five minute spots where I'm stopping and recognizing the fact that the Lord is at work. So bringing it into the day means this, that we stop, that we stop. I mean, if you're working in an office, you're like, oh, how am I gonna stop? Well, take a bathroom break. Take what I call a Holy Spirit smoke break, right? Smokers, they get to go out and smoke, right? Go enjoy the Holy Spirit. Stop. Stop. Be present. Lord, I'm here. You are here. I'm remembering what I was, I was reading this morning or hearing from you this morning. Be silent. Be silent. And then put a little more scripture in. It might just be a verse that you get to meditate on again for the next hour, two hours, four hours till the next one. But it's meeting the friend in between classes. It's allowing for that big investment that we made in the morning to keep working all day long. Now here are the questions that might come up that I've wrestled with. How long should that little daily office work of God, Holy Spirit smoke break, how, should that, how long should that be? <clears throat> you choose. You choose. The key is remembering it. Could be a minute, could be five minutes, could be an hour. I don't know. What does your schedule allow for you to do? How often should you do it? I don't know. How often do you need to do it? I would say as much as you can. Because the Lord wants you. The Lord is the friend that is waiting in between classes for you. Waiting for that bell to go off to be like, I can't wait for us to get to meet together in just a minute in this little significant way. And I know it's a short, short little piece, but it's going to be so exciting. Matthew 12, 7 says, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is speaking to these religious leaders. He isn't looking for your sacrifice. He's not looking for you to set aside five minutes of drudgery or the daily office. He's like, I want to dispense mercy to you. Right, sometimes on these, in between classes, we would go to the the soda machines and we we would get a drink right? And the Lord is saying, I have this, this, this mercy. And it's not a mercy machine because mercy comes from the Lord. It's him. But it's like there's a mercy machine that he's ready to give to you again in between classes, in between your day, right? And we would say, oh, Sabbath, another thing to put on. Oh, daily office, another thing to put on. Now, I just want to say I've been following Jesus for a significant amount of years now. And uh, both these things are rather new. The Sabbath has been in the past year that we've put this 24-hour period aside. And the daily office is something that's very new. 
And I would just say, I can't believe that I've lived my Christian life without these things. I can't believe it. I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it. I think I've been missing out on so much of who God is and what he's done because I've just been trying to treat it like a day off to do whatever I want with. But instead, it's an invitation to do what the Lord wants. You see, Jesus is overwhelmed with love and grace for you. And he wants significant time to to shower you with that. He's ready to distribute this grace and mercy, love and liking you. He's ready to distribute it in mass quantities. He's never going to cast you aside. He's never, you're never going to get to a Sabbath and be like, oh, Jesus, so glad to be here with you. He's like, ah, you didn't do your daily office right this week. Go to your room. No, that's not how he works. That's not how he rolls. He's never going to cast you aside. You're never going to show up to a Sabbath and hear, where were you? I thought you started at 5 p.m. It's 6 p.m. What have you been doing? I've been waiting for an hour, wasting my time. You call yourself a Christian? That's not how God rolls. Here are the things that God says. I am so glad to see you. I am so glad that you're here. I've been waiting for you. Oh, you don't even know the things that I have planned for you today. I love you so much. When was the last time I told you that? Can I tell you that again? I love you so much. These are the things that come from the heart of God. What do you need, God says to us? How can I serve you today? Come here, son. Come here, daughter. Come and, come and rest. You look so weary. Why don't you lie down? Why don't you take a nap? Oh, no, I'm going to start in Scripture first. No, 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 no. Take a nap first. You've been, this is a hard week for you. Take a nap. We'll, we'll talk when you wake up. I can't wait to see you again. These are things that the Lord says. Do you believe those are, those are the heart? That's coming from the heart of him. You see, you weren't made to burn out. You weren't made to check out. You weren't made to live a life of constant withdrawal. You were made to rest in his work. So here's the challenge. When are you going to Sabbath? You need to write down a 24-hour period that you are going to Sabbath. Don't start thinking that you're going to nail this the first time. You just won't. You just won't. This needs to be a work in progress. But start with 24 hours and be like, oh, I'm going to Sabbath for 24 minutes and we'll build up. No. Start with 24 hours. Figure it out in the next few weeks when you can start. I would say start this week if you can. <clears throat> and know that you're just, it's going to feel weird. You're not going to get it right the first time. But this is something that you just get to keep practicing. It's a, it's a, it's a practicing the Sabbath. 52 times a year at least, you get to practice a full day Sabbath. So when are you going to do that? Write it down. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat now. Here's what I'm thinking about doing this 24-hour Sabbath. Then, when are you going to have your your daily office? When are you going to do your work of God? And set alarms on your phone. Mine's 8.55, 10.55, 2.55, 4.55. That's all throughout the day for me. When are you going to put these on on your heart, right? Put them on your phone so that your heart gets engaged with the Lord all throughout the day. And again, with these, don't expect perfect. Give it time. Know that some of these times your alarm will go off and you're like, oh yeah, you're here, Lord. That's right. I really need you here. I'm glad you're here. And that might be it. Consider using the the emotionally healthy spirituality day by day to learn what it means to do this daily office. But as you rest, as the people of God, as you rest, finish with this, you can show and tell of this God who calls to rest. Every other religion, every other God calls to work. You have to work out your salvation. You need to work out your rescue by your own doing. But the Bible says, yeah, work out your salvation. But it's God who's at work in you. So it's God who's actually working that out through you. God wants for part of the work to be rest, to enjoy him. And as you enjoy him, you get to tell others of the good news of who Jesus is. There's lots of secular work. There's a book called 24-6. There's a book called Rest. 
they're all pointing to this reality that you need a break, but it's not just a break. You need to rest in the finished work that the Lord has done. And this, this, if the Christians in our city, in Montreal, begin practicing this, not in a fenced out way, but in a beautiful, invitatory way, where we're inviting people into the rest of God, this will be good news to our city. This will be good news to our city. Let me invite you to do a few things. Maybe today you're watching this and you're saying, man, this sounds too good to be true. And I'm like, I know, I feel that still. It does sound too good to be true, but it's true. Maybe you're watching this or listening to this and you're saying, I have rebelled against God. I know that my heart is not right. I know that I am bent away from him, but I want him. And Jesus says, well, I want you. And Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection were for you. And if you'll say right now, Jesus, I need you. For the first time, if you say, Jesus, I need you, I believe that you died for me and that you're alive and I need you to forgive me and bring me into your family. I want to be made new. Then he'll make you new. And you can indicate, I have committed my life to Jesus and you will be a new creation. And Jesus will begin to work this rest in you right away. He'll begin kneading it into the dough of your life. And then for those of us who, have, who are followers of Jesus already, we respond by pursuing rest wholeheartedly, knowing that nothing, nothing is up to us. That the Lord is the one who's plowing forth the way of redemption and rescue for this world. He did all the work for us. So you can respond today by resting in that work. So we respond by singing. We're going to sing of who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe you just need to sit on your couch or lay in your bed and listen to these words being sung over you. But if you can, sing with us. I can't wait to sing together again. In our theater that muffles all the noise, doesn't matter. I am so excited for that. Uh, We give. So you can give um, because if you're part of Church 21, this is something you already know. And so this really is a call for those of you who are part of Church 21. Our budget hasn't decreased still the same, and we're, we're moving forward. And so uh, if you're part of our church, God calls you to give. He calls you to give. He's giving you resources to be generous with. And so you can give. There'll be a little button that pops up in the chat box on church21.online.church, or you can um, click the give button on the top. And then if you need prayer, you can click the live prayer button, and someone will be there to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll move into the next part. We're gathering. But Lord, thank you that you that you've called us to rest. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you are active, alive, moving Jesus. Thank you that you are a great God. Would you help our restless hearts to find rest in you? We love you and we need you for everything. Amen.